Defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Zua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. I am Craig Reith, brought to you by rotoheat.com again. And if you've seen the show in prior seasons, you know the beautiful man next to me. Brad Menendez. Brad, how are you doing tonight? I'm living the dream, man. Getting to be here on a Monday night and uh, talking with you, although I'm filling in for Austin. So hopefully I'll do my best Austin impersonation minus the Chiefs love. But it's good. I'm excited. Excited to talk IDP with you and it not be a Friday morning. Yeah, and we're not going to be, again, um, you've heard it for a couple of weeks now, going into rookies, nor are we going to be diving into free agency talk here tonight. We know free agency unofficially has started. Uh, for the league, and we'll be plenty having plenty of that next week when Austin is back. Uh, but tonight, we're going over some IDP players that we are selling in Dynasty going forward. There's going to be a mix of older guys, younger guys that you might not expect, guys somewhere in the middle. We're sort of breaking up by position here and see where the night takes us in the discussion of these players. But the first one we have, Brad, is a guy that you uh, mentioned that you had interest in selling at this point. It's Foy Alucan, linebacker for the Jaguars. He's going to be 28 this year. He has one year left on his contract. He led all linebackers and tackles in 2022, which might give some people pause, and he's been right up there two years in a row. So why is this a guy that you're looking to move on from in Dynasty Leagues where you have him? So typically, um, in the leagues that I tend to be in, it, it's not hard to trade away and trade for some of these pieces, especially linebackers and safeties, because there's so many of them. And with a guy like Foyer, I don't know that we're going to see anything higher. I mean, how much higher can you get when you're the top linebacker in fantasy? So if your team is not 100% ready to win it all, why not try to take a, a high-end IDP piece, which he should be considered right now because he led the league in it, and look to move him? You probably are going to get another solid season on him, at least this year. And potentially next year, but really, you know, they've already started looking to the future. So how much longer is Foyer really a true elite piece in the IDP in the IDP world? So in my mind, it's like, okay, am I going to sell, you know, it's the Jalen Smith thinking because I sold Jalen Smith literally the season before he fell off. And I have, the, I try to have that thinking anytime I'm looking at my rosters, like, okay, we're the guys that I think really have some staying power that have room to grow. And we're the guys that may not have much staying power. And Foye, in my mind, is a guy that just doesn't have that staying power. So I'm like, why not try to get out now? Yeah, and I think part of the reason people don't necessarily see him the same way is he's really only had, you know, probably three years of real fantasy production for most players. He was there in Atlanta for a while, just, you know, mm -hmm. as a bench player, sub in. Then he started there, went on, got his big contract, had two nice years here in a row. Um, so... Sometimes there is that sort of dissonance in people's mind where, while his name is new to them, but he isn't necessarily someone that has been in the league for a short period of time. And while they're not getting all those burnout reps of getting beat up on behind being a defensive regular, you know, you're still out there in practice hitting people for a lot of the season. You're still out there hitting people on special teams because if you're not playing on defense or offense you're on the team you're probably playing on special teams if you're going to be on the team somewhere so right. yeah it's interesting i haven't seen him bandied about a whole lot 
as someone that people are moving on from. Uh, but I was a bit surprised. I didn't realize how old he was. Yeah. No, he's been in the league for a minute. And, you know, it's tough with IDP, uh, especially the leagues that, that I've been in over the years. You know, you either have the leagues that are super active and the guys are willing to make moves or you're kind of in the other where guys just don't truly understand the value of them and they're afraid to trade for them or they don't value them properly and it's hard to make IDP moves. So any of these trades are always going to be, it all really depends on, as you would always say, league settings, league format, how your league ownership works. I mean, some leagues it's easier to trade, some it isn't. And if you're in a league where it's active, why not consider it if your team is not truly competing and you have the willingness or the roster to be able to move a linebacker like him, why not? You know, because he probably won't be the number one linebacker this next year. I mean, it's just hard to stay on top. We yeah. see it all the time. Especially with that up-and-coming talent around him that they've put into that defense. Bingo. Another guy that uh, people are going to be familiar with and might be surprised to see on this list, Jordan Brooks, linebacker for the Seahawks. He's going to his fourth year in the league. He will be 26. They do have that fifth-year option for him in Seattle if they would decide to exercise that. But he is coming off an ACL tear that could lead to a lot of 2024 being missed that they're mentioning. We saw in free agency Cody Barton moved on, so it's kind of unclear what they're going to have next to him when and if he even plays in 2024. For a guy that's injured, you sort of have an uncertain future with that and the contract situation. What are you thinking you could potentially get for a guy like that? You know, it's of course going to matter depending on your league scoring. We know that, but really, what are you getting rid of him at all costs? Or is he someone that you're looking for a specific sort of return on? I mean, it's tough. You know, in, in these situations, a guy like Jordan Brooks still has not only name cachet because he's been a high-end IDP piece a couple seasons now. You know, people have been really big on him for at least the last two years. So when you've got a guy like Jordan Brooks, you have to consider he's injured, so people are going to want to pay a, a discounted price. So what is a discounted price for you? IDP linebackers that that are, you know, top 10, top 15 type range, like a guy like Jordan Brooks would be, I would expect or at least be asking for, you know, late second, early third is the, is the beginning of conversation. If they're not really interested in that, maybe you can get a young piece in a mid to late third. And that's where my mind is. It's like, okay, how can I maximize the return if I'm really going to move on from a piece like this, which it, you can always find a replacement. You know, the Seattle team is still in transition and I wouldn't be afraid to trade him for a young piece, offense or defense and a pick, you know, third round pick, you know, give me any third and a player. Yeah, he's a guy that I was really excited about, and he showed it last year, and then that injury just seems like it might have killed any momentum that he's had because we still see these big injuries. Okay, medicine has advanced. People recover from them. They're able to play. People forget years ago this was a career killer. It just ended it for you, and now you see people bounce back, and rarely is someone going to come back and just look great again. Most of the time it's still going to take that two full years for them to get back to where they were, it's going to be really interesting with Seattle because they aren't going to have sort of that whole time to figure out what they want to do with them. They're going to have to see what 2024 bring, or excuse me, 2023 brings and then make a decision for the next year with that option. So and it's going to be tough if they target somebody in the draft. I mean, that really doesn't send the whole thing rolling out of the control, you know, but depending on where he goes after that, you know, maybe he leaves Seattle and goes to a place where it becomes really an appealing IDP piece again. If you're on the buying side, maybe he's a guy you can buy to stash and see what happens. And I mean, it, you just it's a bit of a toss up there, but I wouldn't be afraid to move on from a guy like that. Yeah, and if Seattle continue 
to plug people into those linebacker spots and just have high productivity. You know, Brooks, neither Brooks nor Barton, you know, were great across the board for ratings this past year. Uh, so if they can find guys that they can plug in there that might do a little bit better on the cheap for a rebuilding team, kind of like you said, I know that offensive side, they have some hope. The defense has a lot of holes. They'll probably look to go that route. Rookies are always exciting for a guy like Pete Carroll. He loves to draft them. Well, this is a guy that if you're drafting him right now in a redraft league, you're still going to have to pay up for him. Uh, a little interested to see him on your list here, Brad, was Miles Garrett, defensive end for the Browns. So he turns 28 at the end of this season. Uh, four years left on his deal. You know, he's got cheap outs if the team wanted to move on from him for some reason in 25 and 26. But it looks like he's going to be with the Browns for a while, the way they've gone all in there. That Deshaun Watson contract and some of the moves they're making. Past two years, he's had 55 combined tackles, 16 sacks, and 17 and a half tackles for a loss average. So he is still an elite player. Are you just trying to get out while the getting's good, or do you smell something you don't like on the horizon? Well, it's kind of where there's smoke, there's fire. Like we even going into the offseason, we heard that, you know, maybe Cleveland's getting kind of soured on Miles, the Miles Garrett relationship, and maybe something happens, maybe it won't happen. Now, obviously, we're not in the front office. We don't really know what they're going to do. But what I do know is that, you know, he is pushing 28. And at this point, you're not going to get a better return for a guy like Miles Garrett. He's got the name cachet. He's got the production. He's got, I mean, the health. I mean, everything that you can ask for. So if you can cash out and get a really premium return, why not? If you're not competing, why not? You know, if you're, you know, I mean, there's so many situations where I'm like, why not? You know, and when we were putting our list together for this show, if I start to check off a lot of those boxes, then a guy feels like he fits in the list. I mean, this is very much like a foyer situation. Getting close to that 30 mark, Miles Garrett could be a productive guy for, you know, four to five more years the way that he takes care of himself, but that doesn't mean he will be. That just yeah. means he could be. So for me, it's, you know, like I said, get out while the getting's good and you have plenty of reason to sell high. You know, nobody should be asking for a discount. If somebody comes at me and says, well, there's a lot of concern about his attitude or whatever. I say, well, the production's on the field. I'm not going to sell him cheap. Now, again, variable by league, but is this a guy that you can see going for a first? If we're talking just draft picks, because we know it's not always a draft pick world for players that are new in fantasy leagues. But do you think you could get a first for him in sort of whatever your standard IDP league is? No, I mean, no. it's hard to get first for IDP players ever. It feels yeah. like even in the leagues where it's it's very savvy idp owners man people just don't want to give up a first for an idp asset and i don't blame them um i would probably ask for a first and see if an owner is interested i mean because it's a negotiation it doesn't hurt to start and yeah. see and if not say well give me a second and a young player or give me a you know if it's two one give me two one you know and you're close to that first round type valuation and go from there or a, a future first you know what if somebody says hey I'll give you my 2024 first. Okay. Yeah. I'll wait a year for it. What about you? What would you do with him? And how would you evaluate his worth and picks? I mean, if you're contending or close to contending, if like if you think you're realistically in that ballpark, and I know sometimes we're not all realistic with our teams, we all like to see things with rose-colored glasses, uh, I'd be keeping them at that point. But if you're not really sure what you're doing and you're kind of on that fence because maybe you have a good offense, you're not sure about your IDPs, I kind of do, in most of my leagues, it isn't, you know, the same, like you said, balanced one-for-one -one offense to defense with scoring, which matters usually somewhere around that 
half to two thirds of what the offensive players get. But yeah, I'd be looking to move on from him, but I'm not sure what I'm doing just because I can still get that elite price and you never know what's going to happen down the road. But those picks are always every year, it seems like most of the year, but certainly around this time when people are getting draft fever, the value of those things just keeps going up. And what might feel like a late pick this year could end up being much better for you next year. And it's great trade bait to get you someone better on offense. But it does depend on how savvy you are. I've seen people that aren't that great on the IDP side throw around draft picks because they don't like drafting rookies and they like that given production. They know what they're getting and they've built nice winning teams with that, especially on the defensive side where if you don't like the scouting, you don't like the Debbie side or any of that, you don't want to roll the dice with the rookies. There's nothing wrong with buying, you know, quote unquote, sure thing talent. And if we're talking about that, the defensive line, there's not a ton of them, but Miles Garrett is certainly one of them. Absolutely. One of the guys I threw on here, and a lot of people that are watching are thinking, well, no, duh, this guy is like 34 this coming year, but Cameron Jordan. <laughs> the reason that I put him on here, again, in your IDP leagues, just like in life, people have different valuations of how they go about putting a cost on a player, how deep they look into the players, their situations. A lot of people just look at stats, and stats fine, but they don't paint the whole picture. Right. Cameron Jordan continues to be productive. Like, even last year was a down year, if you want to call it for him. But he still had eight and a half sacks and 66 overall tackles. It was one of his highest tackle seasons of his career. I think it was second or third. So he's still giving you good production. This team is a team that is going for it in the Saints. You know, it seems like against all odds, you'd think they'd have to try to reset at some point, but they keep kicking that can farther and farther down the road. Uh, But Cameron Jordan, you know, time is going to catch up with him eventually. His contract, he's under contract for this year, next year, Mm -hmm. and that's it. You know, he's going to be turning 35. It's going to end for him at some point, too. But if you have someone that's interested in him, I'm looking to move on from him, even if I'm a contender. Because in Dynasty Leagues, I am looking at least at a two- to three-year window, sometimes farther, you know, depending on the team that you have in the league. Some leagues you have a little bit more faith in that are going to hold up than others. So if I'm in a league that uh, I have him and I'm even contending, yeah, I'm moving on from him just because he doesn't really fit that longer-term window and his production. If I had to guess, it was probably going to be about the same as it was last year or a little yes, less because you just can't keep doing it forever. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's one of those guys that's done it right his entire career. He takes care of himself. Um, he's a student of the game. He's probably one of the smartest players on the field every week in and out. And, you know, it's hard to really be concerned that he's going to drop off in production at least this year and probably next if he's, you know, if he's in this Saints defensive scheme that he's super comfortable in. I, but I'm with you. You know, I would almost literally take whatever somebody's offering to to move on from them, because if you wait another year, if you wait another six months, I mean, things could change so quickly. I mean, this team could very quickly be in a spot where you know it just isn't doesn't have any value for you. And if that's the case, then I might as well sell now and get what you can. You know, the team. I think you know we'll see what magic they have next year. They're going to have a hard time continuing to pay that kind of money for older players just with the situation that they're in. I mean, the restructure helped free up some money, but I mean, they're going to be at a point where you can't keep restructuring because you're going to be paying guys years after they've played for you. All right. Uh, Next guy, I went a little bit younger. It's a guy we've talked about a lot on this show in prior years, and you can go search the name. 
Josh Allen, you all heard the name, but it's not the guy in offense that people are in love with up in Buffalo and in fantasy leagues. It's the Jacksonville Jaguar that uh, sacked the other Josh Allen. So <laughs> he's an interesting case in that he sort of switched positions from a defensive end to outside linebacker when they did that scheme change. He's only going to be 26. He's going to be in his fifth year in the league on his fifth-year option. He had a really nice rookie season, and then, you know, he hasn't lived up to it since then. His sacks mm-hmm. have been down. Um, his rookie year, I think he had 10 and a half and then 11 tackles for a loss, and he had like seven or seven and a half this past year. But his tackles went up, which was interesting with that positional switch. He had his highest career um, tackle total. So he's just a guy that a lot of people still have intrigued with based off of that rookie year and that, you know, he hasn't completely cratered out like a, Yannick Ngakwe, for example, did a couple of years there where he would get you a couple sacks here and there and then nothing else at all. But I don't really think that he completely fits with what the Jaguars are doing. You know, it kind of feels like they're content to have him sit on this option and then maybe let him go test somewhere. And he's always a guy that I felt his namesake is worth more than his production on the field. You know, that high draft stock, he was a high draft pick for him in the first round there. Great year, not much after. I don't really have him on a whole lot of teams, but he's a guy that if I have, I'm still looking to move on from while he's young and I can get good value for him. How do you feel about him? Yeah, he has the tools and the talent, but he's in the wrong defense to maximize it. I yeah. mean, he's not a linebacker. He's not very good as a linebacker fantasy-wise. He doesn't really do you much good. So I'm with you. You know, if somebody's interested in biting on potentially the name cachet, I do have, I think I have two shares of him that I've had for a while that, I didn't have a buyer for, um, and I still don't have a buyer for. You know, you, I've talked guys. He's not a player I'm just going to sell just to sell. Like, he'd be one that I'm going to tell if it makes sense because my roster has enough to go. I'll let him sit and be a deputy, and maybe I play him on a bye week if need be. Otherwise, just kind of wait and see because now you're kind of at the at the crossroads where like, okay, if you need to trade him, trade him, sure. But if not, well, what if he goes somewhere in a year and it's a – you know, and it's an upgrade for him and he really does look like, or he can raise some value, you know, that kind of conversation you have to have in your head is, will he be able to get back up there? And he's young enough where he could maybe get a boost in value in a year. Not saying he will, but you know, don't, I wouldn't sell super cheap, but you know, I would still ask for, you know, late second or a third in a player. You know, a lot of these guys, they're young enough on our list tonight you know, late second, third and a player, you know, something like that. And I'd be okay with it in most cases. So I'm with you. I don't mind selling him. I don't love the player, but he has the tools. He just never really truly developed. Yeah, it feels like that carrot kept being dangled out there after his rookie year. Like, oh my gosh, look what he did as a rookie. And you waited for it and it didn't happen. Waited mm-hmm. for it. And then it's like, oh, it's another new coach, you know, Peterson. He's had good guys on the edge there on his teams in Philadelphia and stuff before. Really didn't do it. Higher tackle total was nice. And again, depends on higher league scores, whether it's big play, balanced, or tackle heavy. If you're in a tackle heavy, he really showed out last year something you didn't expect. But again, is that going to continue with him? Because he's sort of been an enigma throughout his career so far. Very roller coastery. So similar, to, I kind of felt like to Cameron Jordan, um, a guy that you have on here that's a little bit long in the tooth, CJ Mosley, linebacker for the Jets. Going to be 31 this year. He's got 23 and 24 of the last years of his deal. They could get out of it in 24 if they wanted to, relatively cheapy. Cheapy, yeah. Easter's around the corner, cheap, cheap. But uh, he's had, uh, I think it was like 163 combined tackle average 
the past two years. So right now, production, kind of like Jordan, even more so maybe, he's there for you if you need it. And that defense is sort of bringing the band back together, it feels like. Is this just another situation of getting out while the age is starting to catch up with him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at what point does he really start to drop off? I mean, the team... They added Chuck, Car uh, Chuck Clark via trade in a week or two ago. I mean, it looks like they're trying to continue to put pieces around a guy like Mosley to help kind of continue to make this a dominant defense. But uh, whoops. And I just don't know if I believe that he's going to be another, you know, two, three years down the road type guy. So it's like he's got the name recognition. He's got a ton of production to go with it. I mean, very much like your Cam Jordan or some of these other guys we talked tonight that have been productive and are getting up there. It's like, it's what you have to, you know, pull the trigger and make the move because otherwise you're going to be sitting on a, you know, Larry Fitzgerald type situation, super productive guy for a while. And then he had to retire on your roster. And yeah. for me, I'm always looking to flip and get value instead of lose out on a potential piece. Because, you know, the thing that people don't really think about is you can always make another trade. I mean, you if yeah. you make a bad move, make another move to try to fix the bad move you made. I mean, if you traded CJ Mosley in 2020 when, you know, when he decided to, not play for the season, you know, due to want to save. And then you regretted it a year later. Well, you could have gone and traded for somebody else and fixed the issue. It's like, you can always do another move. I don't mind trading. Trading makes fantasy fun. Yeah, the thing with players, it's kind of interesting to look at, you know, how long are these people productive for in general? And last year, Demario Davis at 33 was the oldest starting throughout the course of the year linebacker in the NFL. And here we're talking about, you know, CJ Mosley at 31. It, it's not a commonplace thing where these guys can just play starting high level year after year after year after year. We saw Mosley sit out for a year and then he had some injury. But uh, I, I tell you, I'm kind of on board with it. But if I'm a contender, I'm probably hanging on to him because they have Quincy Williams who they brought back, who I think we both like. But Mosley's the guy there in the middle. He's doing the same thing he did when he was with the Ravens. He's just been a fantastic guy to sort of lead the defense in the middle and get you those tackles. But that's what you want out of your linebacker, that super high tackle share. All right. Well, we're going to stick with linebackers going a different direction, though. Um, sort of the other side of the coin here. Patrick Queen, he's going to be 24 this season, fourth year in the league. They do have a fifth-year option for him. Of course, they brought back, or they brought back, but they brought Roquan Smith to the team who's going to be back with that contract extension he signed with the Ravens last year. Queen still had 107 combined tackles, nine tackles for a loss, a few miscellaneous stats here and there. So he had a nice season, sort of when he was able to play that secondary role to C.J. Mosley. We saw him kind of fail. We want to talk about being the main guy in the middle there for the Ravens. This is sort of the same flip of the coin. If you want to talk about with Josh Allen, where are you getting out when, before he goes somewhere and just doesn't do a whole lot? Or is he going to go somewhere and sort of rejuvenate his career? How are you feeling about Patrick Queen this year and sort of going forward? I was a fan of Queen. Um, and then they went and traded for Roquan. I'm like, oh, I mean, this is your best linebacker now. And yeah, if Queen was kind of the number one guy, then sure. But now that he's taking kind of a back seat in that position i'm just i'm not f getting good feelings about him being kind of a really truly startable linebacker on a week-to-week -week basis and my thinking when putting him on this list was like okay he's young he's got the name cachet it comes from in the, in the baltimore system that you know has plenty of idp value at, at times so it's like if i can get a good return on him 
you know, because I probably had to draft him in the second round of rookie drafts. If I could get, you know, kind of a second round pick back for him, then why not? I don't know that we're going to get anything better value-wise out of him in the future. And I don't know that he's going to be able to produce better than he has so far in his career. And I just, because so many linebackers come in every year and we really see the kind of IDP uh, value of linebackers, you know, kind of fluctuate because so many decent linebackers kind of pop up and really move up the rankings. It's like, I'm just, I'm not comfortable sticking with him long-term. I would rather just move on and try to find kind of the next big thing or trade for a piece that I want more. Yeah, if he continues to be what he has been in Baltimore, whether he continues there or goes elsewhere, that is replaceable in today's NFL. And you sort of think, well, you know, 100 some tackles. Granted, the season's been extended here. It really isn't yeah. what it used to be. And a lot of these guys, you're seeing it if you go look at snap shares at all. You're not having like one a team or, you know, some teams should have two guys just on the field constantly as those stud linebackers. They're having to rotate people out more because of injuries like the season, and just that it's better for the player's health, too. You know, you're able to count on these guys more if you're not out there through that 17-game grind. And Patrick Queen, thus far in his career, has shown himself for fantasy-wise to be more of a secondary linebacker. And there's nothing wrong with that, but when you're on that fringe, you know, LB3 type of territory, that's replaceable year in and year out if you know to what go look for. So I agree, if you can find someone that's still paying for the name or hoping where he goes is going to be a better spot, I'd do it. Absolutely, 100% with you. Next up here, we got a couple guys named Shaq. So the first one we're going to talk about is Shaq Thompson. He's a little bit older than the other Shaq we'll get to, but he re-signed with the Panthers. I think he got a two-year restructure, so there's two years on his deal. He's older um, in part than I think a lot of people think because he played behind Keekly for a long period of time before he sort of got to be the guy there in Carolina. But over the past four years, he's averaged 115 combined tackles. So he's got a nice tackle share there for you. But again, ninth year in the league, he's going to be 29 with two years left. I don't think he really sort of fits as a guy that's going to go out there and play second fiddle and be productive late in his career because we saw when he had the chances he wasn't doing a whole lot of that with Keekley there. Kind of feels like whenever he ends in Carolina, that's going to be the end of the rope for him for fantasy production. So I'm looking to get out, like I said earlier with some of your guys, well, the getting's good, but yeah. he still has that high tackle share and people see him as the guy in the middle right now. And that could change free agency or the draft in Carolina. How are you feeling about Shaq Thompson? I actually have him in a league and I've been actively shopping him like as much as I can because I don't, it's not that I don't think he would fit just fine in a Frank Reich defense. I think he can fit in just fine, but just I'm a little nervous that as they're trying to reset the team and really redevelop what they're doing, where he fits into this equation. And, you know, like you said, with his age, I'm just, I'm, I would rather trade him now and do it while the, while getting's good because I don't foresee them sticking with him much more than where he's at now, unless he takes maybe a team friendly deal, which is always entirely possible. I just don't see it. I'm out on him. Uh, I've tried to trade him. Uh, the few people that I've talked to here, even this week, I tried to trade him in a deal to try to land some quarterback help. I think it's like him, the other shack we're going to talk about, and a few other pieces, like a, a couple of young players, and trying to target some quarterback depth that might turn into something, backup type guys. And people aren't really super high on jumping on some of these guys that are older and aging right now. So 
it's kind of like, well, we're hitting free agency, so maybe I can get a deal done, but so far, nothing. And sometimes, you know, you have to look at where the league is at, too. A lot of leagues are more trade happy if you have a trade deadline during the season as you're getting close to it and you know who the pretenders and contenders are in the league. So we're not saying, you know, go cut bait completely on any of these guys because in most of your even standard size leagues of 2-2-2 for the defensive positions, they're going to have value. But in some of your leagues, you may not. If it's a shallower league, some of these guys you may be able to cut bait on. If you're getting up there in age, you just don't think they're going to keep it up. Oh, yeah, for sure. I saw a very interesting uh, scenario in a league go down with this next guy, the other Shaq, Shaq Leonard. He's a little bit younger. He's 28 this year, though, so he's not a spring chicken. It's only going to be his sixth year in the league. He's got four years left on his contract. I think that's three years, sorry. But eight mil, four mil, and then nothing in dead cap when you're looking at 24, 25, and 26. So that is four years left. Counting is hard for me, folks. But he is an interesting case because he's coming off uh, not only a declining progression, or I guess it'd be regression, uh, in his stats from his first year when he jumped out and was just an animal. I mean, everyone was in love, including us here, with Shaq Leonard back when he was Darius Leonard um, on those Colts teams. And then, you know, injuries, he's been banged up in the two years before last year where he just missed most of the year. I think he might have played in a little bit of five games or something like that because of a back injury. And you heard me probably around June last year talking about how I wasn't really messing with him at all in redraft because you don't know what back injuries are going to lead you to. And really at this point, we don't completely know what we're going to get out of him either. There's been talk of him being in trade rumors with the Colts. There's been talk of, yeah, he's going to stick around to see how he recovers there. So Bobby Okariki move on. So probably be Shaq Leonard and Zaire Franklin for the starters there for the Colts unless something else crazy happens. But there was a league where the manager was Shaq tried to trade him like to everyone and ended up just cutting him, which was a complete surprise to me. And then the free agency bidding war, um, when you saw the result after, you know, the free agent blind bidding went through, people were just throwing tons of money at him, which is really interesting. It makes me wonder like what was being asked for in a trade or how that all went down, but he still has value. Uh, he's just someone I don't really want to mess with at this point because of that back injury. Do you have him anywhere, Brad? Um, yeah, fortunately, I have him with a couple spots. Uh, the tough thing, you know, when I've talked to owners about trying to trade for him, the tough thing is that any injured fantasy asset, offense, defense, it, people really struggle with trying to figure out what's going to come next. Even if it's an injury that we've seen guys come back from time and time again and be able to be productive, it's still the unknown, and that really scares people off. So, yes, I'm trying to move him it's hard to do it when they're injured. You're really taking a, a pretty significant discount. And it depends on how your team is made up as if you can handle that. I mean, yeah. in my mind, you do one of two things. You sell probably at a 50% discount or worse. Yeah. Or you hold and you see what happens and hope that you know, cross them fingers and toes and all the other stuff and that he is able to come back and even give you some quick production that you could then try to flip him while it's, while well, the flipping's good and it's hard. I mean, either way, you have to figure out what you're okay with accepting as a return for a guy like this. And in my mind, it's like, okay, can I get, you know, a lot of times I'm always going to sit around the second, third, fourth, and a young piece. And it's like, or a young piece. Maybe you can flip a guy like, you know, uh, either of the shacks and get yourself a young wide receiver that maybe uh, has a chance to break out, but hasn't yet, you know, so target your favorite young receiver or, 
you know, maybe a running back who's number two or three on his team that may get a chance, you know, target a San Francisco running back and say, hey, this guy's probably get a little playing time because we know injuries are riddled that team for some reason on offense or, you know, or something like that. And that's kind of where I go with it. It's like, okay, can I add myself a depth piece that may give me some value at some point? Okay, then I'll probably go that direction. Yeah, his age just surprised me when I saw it. I didn't realize, you know, he's going to be 28 this season. That's you know a lot older than you'd think. And maybe it's just, you know, what from the pandemic on, you know, time has taken a weird feeling to plenty of us that already had <laughs> made feel like time was speeding up as we got older. But uh, I would not have guessed he was 28. So, I mean, that was sort of the other concern I had with him where we're talking about age with this, plus the injury. I'm just out on it at this point, and I'm probably taking what I can get for him. I'm about to say plural. He, it feels like he's always getting injured with something. Yeah. This next guy, again, you're probably not going to get a high return on him, but Rashawn Evans, he's a free agent, turns 28th this year. He had a one-year prove-it deal with the Falcons, but he did prove it. Uh, he had 159 combined tackles from that defense last year. Uh, the defense overall wasn't that great, but he's this guy that I'm still feeling where people in your league that might not you know dig into stuff a whole lot they look at what he did last year he's going to be up there at the top and what he produced if you can get something for him i'm looking to move on from him and that doesn't mean today with none of these guys we're telling you just to go out and get whatever you can for him and toss him off your ship so so to speak you know this is over the course of this year we're sort of talking about or this off season and he could end up going to another nice spot you know maybe like a seattle but i think that also benefits you if you're looking to move on from him just where ages and on his side he already was on a prove it deal is he going to be able to get anything more here talked about the replaceability of these linebackers he's a guy that again to me he has that sort of name cachet based off of last season but it really doesn't look like he has a clear path going forward yeah it feels like if he lands in a spot with a team that's really you know not deep in line or looking at him as a, as an immediate starter then Maybe you can get another good season or two out of him where you could see some really solid fantasy production because he's not a bad linebacker. I mean, yeah. you know, with him on the field, you could probably get a couple sacks involved with some of the tackles and, and some of those things and pass deflections and a little bit of that. So it's certainly valuable, but it's definitely not something you could trust. You know, like you mentioned earlier, you look two to three years. That's probably the cap in my mind for where I see him being fantasy relevant is two, maybe three. Uh, unless he has a, unless he has some sort of, uh, you know, uh, later in life situation where he can uh, add to his game something else, I just, I don't see it. And um, I'm okay with moving him. Uh, I haven't seen any moves with him. So it'd be, I'd be interested to see. He's probably one of those you have to see where he lands in free agency. And he's probably going to get signed this week, right? I mean, there's yeah. plenty of linebackers getting signed. So I've got to think that somebody's going to bring him in and look to get him. Uh, come Wednesday afternoon. We're going to move into some defensive backs here, and uh, there will be some surprises in here for you guys. So if you're falling asleep here, don't worry. Uh, but the first one, uh, Legereus Sneed, so safety slash quarterback hybrid sort of for the Chiefs, fourth year in the league, going to be 26, unrestricted free agent after this year. To me, the thing that I had concerns about, and I do like Snead, I do have him in a few places. Uh, if you're in a cornerback-specific league, I'm probably a little bit more okay keeping him than a DB type of league. A lot of his production has come when he's played in the slot as far as what he's gotten you for fantasy production. And towards the end of the last year, there was a shift where he moved a lot more to wide corner. 
and uh, Trent McDuffie, the rookie, started playing that slot and it kind of felt like that's the way that they're going forward, which we've seen this with guys before, whether it's to a different team or a different role on the same team, production doesn't always just follow the guy. And Snead established himself as one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So better cornerbacks don't always give you better fantasy production because they might get targeted less. It does depend on how they get used. You know, that slot corner is usually a really nice place to get a lot of fantasy production. I know you're probably not in a ton of cornerback type leagues, but if we're looking at him as just a defensive back, are you all right moving on from Snead? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm in, unfortunately, I'm in way more you have to start cornerback leagues than I probably <laughs> would prefer because, yeah. you know, if you've watched this show for any length of time, you know that I will rotate through them. I have no interest in drafting them and rostering them. I will just play the matchups each weekend. And I do that because it's never really done me wrong, you know. But when you're looking at this player, he was, if you know, just kind of search for all the DBs. I mean, he was like number two or number three overall in scoring last year. I mean, he's one of the top guys because he can get you sacks. He can get you, you know, significant. I think he had double-digit pass deflections last year. He can get you a good amount of tackles and interceptions. I mean, he is very well-rounded, but in any league, I've never said a cornerback is not available in any format, you know? So if I own a cornerback, he's available in trade because you just don't see them get moved a lot because there isn't such a high, and I hate it. Like, I wish there was a way to properly score things that every position had, you know, very similar value so that there is a reason to really dig in and really uh, latch on a cornerback at a more, uh, more significant rate, but just isn't. And I'm perfectly fine trading any corner. So if you said, you know, Sneed or Ramsey or any, you know, Douglas or any of the top corners. Yep. Whatever somebody's going to offer me, I'm probably going to trade them. Most likely with a corner, though, you're probably not getting anything more than a third, maybe fourth, even if he is one of the top ones. I can't think people are paying a significant premium to get him. All right. Well, the next guy that I'm going to bring up here is going to be a tandem based on what they did last year. So surprise, it's not two guys but they're going to be interesting to talk about. First one, Jonathan Owens. He is a free agent. He was a safety last year for Houston. Going to be a little bit older than you'd think, 28. It'll be his fifth year in the league. But last year was his first real year of statistical production in the league with 125 combined tackles. His previous high in 2021 was 18. So he went from someone no one was thinking about to just having a stellar year. And we'll see what happens, whether he's back with the Texans or goes somewhere else. But that sort of flash in the pan from the defensive back position, you can usually find guys to rotate in as your second defensive back or third defensive back pretty easily. So if you have someone that's sort of in love, like I said, with Rashawn Evans with the production from last year, go get him. And I'm just going to mention the other name right here, too, to let you take both of these at the same time, Jalen Petrie. Now, this does not mean I don't like Jalen Petrie, but what it does mean is that I think he might have had his ceiling of production for what you're going to see from him in the NFL. And if you can sell someone at or near their peak, I think you're doing well. But if you are trading him, you probably got him as either a dynasty in a rookie draft, I would think, or as a free agent. If it was in a rookie draft, you want more than you got for him, which means if you invested that second round pick, you know, a late second, can't imagine someone doing let's make it more realistic craig a late third round pick you know for him i'd want a second because you've seen him be the defensive back one in most leagues last year 
I just don't feel like that crazy high tackle rate is going to be able to be consistent throughout his career. We talked about it on, I think last week, Friday, you're going to see that team around him get better at some point. Will he still continue to be a defensive back one? Yeah, he has a really good shot at it. He's super young. You know, it's going to be his second year in the league. He's going to be 24 this year. Showed he can produce. But if you can get someone to pay the DB1 type of value for him, I'm all about selling him at this point. I'll say you. Yeah, and I have lots of Pichu shares because if you watched our show last year when I was on regularly, I was a big Pichu fan. Um, you know, I looked at the fact that he went to a team that was desperate for talent that probably was going to funnel a lot of action to the safeties because they just weren't strong ahead of him. Um, so I jumped all over him. I think I own him in four or five or six of my league. It's quite a few. Uh, I did look just real quick here. I took him in the sixth round in at least two of my leagues uh, in a combo, you know, offense, defense with, you know, super flex. So, uh, but I did take Jaquan Brisker the round before in both those leagues too, which is pretty funny. We've talked about him recently too. Um, I have no problem getting rid of either of them. You know, I've actively tried to shop Petrie in a few places just because he's a hot name right now because of the valuation. Um, I don't think Owens is a guy that you're really going to get anything for as much as and he's one of those I literally would you send me an offer I'd probably just hit accept because I just don't know that I believe he's going nope. to be able to do anything else you know whether he's back with the team or not they're going to keep trying to get better and to do that you have to get more talent and you have to improve you know your secondary and they you know they have Stingley they have Petrie I mean they're really starting to build something there and I think they'll get better but I don't believe in Houston or I don't believe in Houston that they see Owens as a long-term piece. Petrie is definitely a long-term piece there, I'm sure. Uh, but I just don't see him being, I can't see him producing the way he did. They're going to get better linebackers. They're going to get some help on the line. So I'm with you. If you can get a really nice return on Petrie, contender or not, I'd be fine moving him. All right. Well, we're going to get a little bit older here for some of these defensive backs. we got a, a few names here that you threw on here, and I'm just going to, Talk about all three of them quickly. Buda Baker, safety for the Cardinals, is going to be 27 this year. He's got two years left on his deal that he can get out of pretty easily. Harrison Smith, a little bit older, 34 this year. Going to be his 12th season. Major that I think uh, got drafted in my first IDP league. That tells you about how long that's been around. But they can get out pretty easily. That's the Vikings in 24 and 25 too. And then Adrian Amos, he's going to be 30 this year. He's a free agent. Well, so you're going to have to see where he lands. Does he go back to Green Bay? Does he find a home elsewhere? We'll see about that. But these all sort of fall into the same bucket, you know, approximately age-wise, and what their trajectories are. But, uh, most can. And who would you think you could get the most for at this point? In my mind, it's easily Buda Baker. I mean, he's still... Of those guys, I think he probably is the youngest and has the most staying power when it comes to, I could see him being relevant for four years. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he was still a really nice IP asset then. Um, and Amos, maybe, probably not, though. And Smith, definitely not. I mean, I'm surprised he, he was last year uh, to the extent that he was. Yeah. Um, Buda Baker is tough because I love him. He's a guy that I've been huge on in IDP. I mean, Back before he came out, I was a big fan of him coming out of college, you know. So he's always kind of had a sentimental place for me in my uh, in my fantasy leagues, and I've tried to hold on to him. But the reason that that I would consider him right now is is then you know he's got the name Cache, obviously the age, some of those things we mentioned earlier. But this Arizona team is going to be in transition, and I don't know what that looks yeah. like. 
So if he stays in Arizona and they're still weak in front of him like they are, then he's probably going to have a huge season this year. And you can use that to talk him up in the midst of your trade conversations. Like, hey, this Arizona team there. I mean, you're looking at Houston 2.0 from last year and he could be huge. And the same time, they could easily move on from him in that contract. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, what happens next for him? He's a very smart player, very instinctual and, and very good at causing turnovers, but maybe he just doesn't fit in with the next team. And there's just too many concerns where I'm like, if I can get rid of him, I would. He can give me the most value. Harrison Smith, I don't know that you're getting it much for. So you kind of, that's kind of one of those, are you willing to accept lower than he's probably really truly worth? Amos. Yeah. I mean, if you're a contender, he's definitely worth more to your team than you're going to get for mm-hmm. a return. For sure. I kind of feel that same way about Jalen Ramsey, who you also put on here. That's our second cornerback. He just got traded to the Dolphins. Uh, he got no dead cap after this year. So, you know, is there going to be an extension coming for him? I would think so. How is he going to be used in Miami? You know, on the offensive side of the ball, McDaniel's been pretty clever on how he does stuff. Are they going to do sort of that with the defense too, where a lot of Ramsey's production came when he, they sort of used him all over the field? You know, sort of similar but different to Michael Parsons, where he's not just a linebacker. He's moving all around doing different stuff. Ramsey does that too, which is why as an elite NFL cornerback, he's been productive for fantasy purposes. And he is viable outside of quarterback required leagues. You know, he's just fine as a DB if you have to start one, probably more of a DB too. But I'm guessing it's sort of the same thing you said with the other guys, where if it's a cornerback, you're just looking to move on and get what you can. Yeah, I mean, with a guy like Ramsey, the name's there, so people will probably be willing to make a deal with you. Um, and you might be able to get maybe a little bit better of a return than you would with some of the other guys that we mentioned. But yeah, I mean, Ram- Ramsey's a fun case of a guy that really is smart enough and good enough to play any of those positions in the back half of the se- of the defense. You know, you could make him your sub-package linebacker along with somebody if you really wanted to, if you needed to in a pinch. And Miami's one of those teams that they're willing to do whatever they need to do. I mean, they'll move guys all over the formation, offense, defense. I mean, they're very creative. So, yeah, definitely an interesting move and definitely one that I'd be looking to cash out on at this point. As a side note with Ramsey going there, I know he's a guy we're both fans of, but it's interesting to me what they're going to do with Javon Holland now if he's going to play more of a true safety because he played a lot of slot corner. And he got a lot of his fantasy production there, but they also moved him around mm-hmm. quite a bit. You know, he's another one of those sort of do-it-all, albeit a lot younger defensive backs in the league. And what he does, I mean, it's great he can learn from Ramsey, certainly, although maybe some of the off-the-field uh, fights and stuff, not so much. But in terms of NFL on-the-field stuff, I'm excited for Holland to be able to learn from him. I know. My Javon Holland love is very high, and I hope that he can because he has the talent. I mean, we've seen him continue to, to oh, look yeah. better and look like he's developing. So I'm with you. I hope it helps him. And he's a guy that I would definitely be uh, jumping all over if I didn't already try to jump all over shares of him. Well, we said it last week. I'm going to say it again this week. We aren't going to go a show without talking about defensive tackles. And we've got a few of them here to talk about on our sell list. First one up that I put on here, Javon Hargrave. He just signed or unofficially signed a deal with the 49ers. Going to be 30 this year, his eighth year in the league, and starting in Pittsburgh, I think it was. But four-year, $80 million deal is a pretty big contract for a guy of that age. Coming off his best season in terms of sacks, and he was up there pretty well in tackles too. It's sort of similar to what Brad said about those cornerbacks. Defensive tackles, by and large, aren't giving you the high-end production year in and year out. If 
between a defensive tackle specifically, I'd say you could probably even get even more for a guy like Hargrave because he's going to be in that top 15 or so defensive tackles. And I like that even better moving on from one where you can get more from him. But I don't see his production just completely repeating because he went from one really good defensive front to another. He's a fine real-life piece. Having Bosa there to take pressure off him is going to be great. Playing that more consistent every-down type of role, if that's what he does there, is that you know, force up the middle. I don't think he's going to get you what he did last year, and that's why I'm looking to move on from him, you know, striking while the iron's hot, so to speak. Yeah, w- yeah. With any of these positions, you know, DT, CB, any of those where you have a guy of concern on your roster that is definitely on your radar to trade, things like this should be when you start to try to sell. You know, big move, one of the first big-name free agents to make a move, and big contract. I mean, like, this is where you sell it. I mean, people get hyped up on this stuff. This is where you cash in. He's San Francisco rotates their guys a ton, and I just don't know if he's going to see this. You know, he'll see a heavy snap count. I'm not saying that he won't. I'm just saying they have enough linemen that, man, I I don't trust that, like you said, he's not going to have the same type of value he had uh, in previous years, even as recent as last year. So I'm all about selling him if I had him anywhere. I don't think I have any shares of him, though. On the flip side, and guy um, quite a bit younger by NFL standards, Deron Payne, commander's defensive tackle, can be 26 this year, sixth year in the league. Uh, he just signed a four-year, $90 million contract and sort of get out after it in three years pretty cheaply. But, you know, different situation here, but he's still on a great defensive front. He's still getting paid. Why are you looking to move on from Deron Payne? Um, I think the biggest reason for me is it's, you sell while the iron's kind of hot with this type of player. You know, when you had a guy like Chase Young who missed a significant amount of time last year, it gave a guy like Deron Payne more opportunity to get you those fantasy points because he had the time. Uh, If Chase Young's healthy, Chase Young is a better player and is going to get more action off the edge than Deron will from uh, rushing up the middle. So in my mind, it's like, okay, you probably have seen the best of Deron Payne unless we have injuries again. Sweat. Young, any of them, if they get injured, then, well, maybe Payne still has it. But otherwise, you've probably seen what you're going to get out of them. So why not sell them now and just be pleased with that return? Yeah, I mean, he pretty easily had his best season. And there's something to the contract here. Sometimes for these players, previous high in sacks was five as a rookie. He had 11 and a half last year. Tackles, he sort of had a pretty steady progression. He was gone between 54 and 64. When tackles for a loss, it's the same thing. A high of seven previously and then 18 this past year. And it is really nice when you have a nice defensive front there, but you aren't going to see, I think, I agree with you, that same level of production year in and year out from Duran Payne. Absolutely. And finally, a name that I don't like putting on here. We sort of talked about a little bit last year, but he's still on that list, probably even more so with just the complete rebuild, it kind of feels like the Rams are trying to go down the route of uh, Aaron Donald. So he's going to be 32, his 10th year in the league, got two years left on his deal, and pretty easy out after this year. I don't know that he's a guy that's going to want to go on to a different team. It kind of feels like he was almost at peace, ready to retire after the Super Bowl win. There was talk of it, you know, he re-signed, got a whole bunch of money. If they are really going down this rebuild route and they don't trade them, and sometimes, you know, those icons of a team like that, they don't like actually just moving on from them unless the player wants to. 
I'm looking to get what I can from Aaron Donald. You know, he's a guy we talked about previously, sort of those guys where it doesn't matter if it's a specific position or just a flat, like, defensive line in this case. He's going to have value for you. He still has that name attached to him. You didn't get his highest stats last year because he didn't end up playing the whole year because their season went to heck. But he's going to be back this year by all accounts. I'm certainly looking to move on from him while I can get that. I still think you could get a third-round pick for Aaron Donald or something like that on IDP leagues. What do you think? I'm with you. I mean, if you've heard the rumors of possibly trading Stafford and some of these aging players, so why not trade a guy like Aaron Donald if a contender is really trying to push all their tip, chips into the middle of the table? So if that's the case, then, you know, you're probably going to get maybe a little bit bump, a little bit higher bump of value uh, if you try to trade him at that point. But I have no problem taking a third-round pick for Aaron Donald right now. You know, you're at the point where, any year could be that year. I mean, it's kind of like thinking about, you know, the Tom Brady situation. Every year could be that last year that he was being done. Do you want to hold him and then have him drop off your roster because he retired? I don't like doing that. I'd prefer someone else to have that. So if I can trade him, sure. Give me a third and I'll move on. And that is our list of 20 IDP players that we are looking to sell in Dynasty Leagues. Of course, if you're not in Dynasty, this really doesn't apply a whole lot. For redraft, you can cut and burn players a lot easier than you can in dynasty and we want to thank you for joining us here the idp heat seekers is a proud member of the roto heat family of podcasts find more content on dynasty redraft devi and more at rotoheat.com